Obviously for 100 episodes, there's a lot about, you know, myself and guests and things like that. But yes, people certainly want to hear about the man behind the woman. So here we are with you. So I'm going to fire off a couple of questions. For those listening, Jules has not seen these questions before. So we're getting his raw feedback. (laughs) Welcome to Parenthood, where our lives and stories aren't perfect, but very real. I'm your host, Leonie Kidanor, and each week I'll be peeling back the often silent struggle we face as parents and bringing you guilt-free conversations to help you feel seen and heard. It's like group therapy. Leave your judgment at the door. Let's begin. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our 100th episode. So this is a big moment and I've decided to get the ultimate guest on to celebrate this 100th episode with us today. And that is Jules, my hubby. Jules, welcome. Hey, you going, guys? <laughs> so Jules has only ever been on the pod once and he was on for a bonus episode when we travelled to Greece last year. So you can look that one up. We'll put the um, episode in the show notes. But basically now you've migrated from being on a bonus episode to our 100th so you're definitely climbing up the ladder of importance as far as this podcast goes so thank you for agreeing to my bribe of gin to get you on the show (laughs) okay so basically we have a number I asked the audience to um Basically, I did a shout out to see if they've got any questions from you, for you because obviously for 100 episodes, there's a lot about, you know, myself and guests and things like that. We hear from Liv a lot too on the Real Talk segment. But, um, but yes, people certainly want to hear about the man behind the woman. So uh, here we are with you. So I'm going to fire off a couple of questions. For those listening, Jules has not seen these questions before. So we're getting his raw feedback and, um, and we'll see how we go. It's all right. There's only a couple and then we'll let you go. So. <laughs> Jules is not looking overly impressed at this point. Okay, cool. So audience question number one, um, and, and also thank you to those who wrote in. Um, we did have a fair few, so I've sort of just picked my top, I don't know, three or four. All right, cool. So the first one is, and we discuss this a lot on the podcast, so often we'll have parents come on and we discuss the ways in which our lives have changed since becoming parents, right, versus, you know, when we were, you know, footloose and fancy free as couples. So this question came through, how has your relationship changed since having kids? What comes to mind? Uh, Probably spontaneous, Uh, just not being able to be as spontaneous as what we used to. Um, obviously now having two little boys means that rather than being able to sort of go out for dinner on a whim or just uh, head away for a weekend or do bits and pieces that you sort of probably took for granted beforehand um, has definitely is what's changed. Yeah, totally. And I feel like for that reason it can be like a lot more of an effort to connect as a partner because I feel like, you know, if you think about the day-to-day, you go to work, you get home, you get the kids organised, go to bed, like, don't you feel like it is that much harder? And I see how people, I mean, people come on the show a lot saying, look, we're in a sexless marriage or I haven't, you know, I feel like a roommate with my partner. You could see how that could eventuate, can't you? Yeah, you go through periods where you're definitely just sort of in a bit of a basically an endless cycle of just the same thing over and over again. It's sort of get up, get the kids ready, take them to school, go to work, come home, put them to bed, do some work yourself and then go to bed again. You don't actually really get too much time to the two of you to really sort of uh, communicate and stuff, especially during the week when you're both working, sort of have fairly full-on schedules. Yeah, and, like, even think about, like, self 
you know, time to yourself? Like when do you ever really get that? <laughs> I mean, you do because I go to bed early oh, if you're not. So I go to bed early for those listening, probably like 8, 8.30 when the kids go to sleep. But then you often would work. But I guess let's call it on a weekend, maybe. My, uh, like... my, my time to myself on a weekend's now disappeared because Noah now doesn't sleep. So uh, my two hours to myself when both boys used to sleep is watching movies with Noah at uh, lunchtime while Charlie sleeps. Oh, this is for lunchtime naps. That's true. Because, yeah, nap time used to be, like, our time to kind of have a bit of a zen out. But, I mean, even when the kids go to sleep, I guess on a weekend, that's probably the only time you get, like, between 9 and 10 o'clock at night. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's probably watching the um, just watching a movie or doing sort of bits and pieces. It's usually we often ask me why I don't go to bed earlier and stuff like that, and it's probably just because I need time just to to relax and sort of have my own sort of space. Um, because you're sort of right sort of through the day, you're either working or you've got the kids around, so you just need time to sort of chill out a little bit. Yeah, and I think if you don't carve that time out for yourself, whatever that looks like, like you'd start feeling, like, resentful. Like, if I think about more so the first year when we had Noah, and I remember you said to me, like, you're like, I don't ever, like, even when because you go away for work a fair bit. And I'm like, yeah, but you get time without the children then. But you're like, yeah, but I never really get a huge amount of time to myself because if I'm away, I'm using my, like, credits at home basically, to, you know, to for that work trip. So... Then it's like when you get back, it's like, oh, you know, every now and then you might go out and hang out with a friend. But really, there's not a huge amount of time. I remember we sort of had this conversation because I, because I don't travel for work and also because my job is probably a little less demanding as far as like time required from me, um, I would, and also I don't work with a big bunch of people like you do, I often felt like I was not really able to socialise during the week because I'm pretty siloed with the work that I do. So then I would probably have a little bit more of a social life than yourself, right? I mean, there were times where you're like, dude, like you've got these girls' lunches and things and you're like, I don't really do stuff like that. But then I'd be like, oh, but you get to travel so like you that's your kid free time like do you remember that time like for those navigating that now and like might be sitting in that early stages of having children and feeling like oh the far out like I never get time to myself or just like to hang with my friends and stuff like you've been there like what would you say to those people it's one it's a difficult one because you on the one hand you're sort of so like caught up in the week with work and doing all that sort of stuff that you're probably not as round as much as what we are, obviously you are, and therefore on weekends I sort of um, see it much more of an opportunity to spend time with the boys and it's probably more of a personal choice than anything else. Um, I probably choose to sort of not take opportunities to do things on weekends and stuff like that because I know I'm not around as much during the week or um, especially if I'm away for work and therefore I sort of value the time that I get to spend with not just um, not just the boys but also yourself because you sort of take for granted the the impact that having busy lives and different things that actually has and just being able to sit around and have a family dinner on a Friday night or do the little things like go to the park and sort of um, play with the boys on the weekend and then come home and sort of have a family cook-up on a Saturday night. It really, it sort of starts to compensate for the um, where you don't have as much time anymore. Mm. You sort of, you, you start to sort of make more of the little moments where you're all together rather than the times when you're sort of selfishly thinking, what can I do to sort of 
do for myself um, because, as you sort of say, obviously you sort of travel a fair bit for work, so it throws another complexity in there um, and you sort of got to take the take that with um, for what it's worth and be able to spend time with because I enjoy spending time with my boys and I enjoy spending time with you, so that's what's important to me. Um, so that's how I sort of probably have come to the realisation that it's more my choice than anything else. Um, I probably choose to do more of that sort of family stuff on weekends rather than the sort of um, do the downtime to myself. Or the big social outings and stuff like sometimes I crave, but that's also because I find that I I am not around a lot of people on the day-to-day. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so another one from the audience was do you ever get jealous of people who don't have kids, i.e. Leonie's sisters. <laughs> so this was a friend of ours who wrote this one in, I am sure, because often when I'm with my sisters who are six and seven years older, younger than me, um, we're, I'm always like, what are you up to next? And they're like, oh, you know, maybe just go for a brunch and maybe a bit of a walk and then, oh, we'll go out for dinner. We'll see. I guess we'll see. And I'm like there with like two kids hanging off me, just like I am so jealous right now of your freedom. I mean, looking at those times I mean we've had those times too right like you know Sunday in bed oh what do you want to do today like you know how good the world's our oyster and now we get like an elbow to the head when we wake up because you know the little ones are crawling all over us and it's screaming and everything and you don't get a moment to yourself do you miss your kid free time um I don't think I really have thought about it too much I think it's more probably that my, um, I think things have obviously changed and I sort of, uh, we probably lived our lives to the fullest when we didn't have kids. And now there's obviously different enjoyments that come from, um, from life. It's sort of more the, the, you get happiness and joy out of watching the boys do things and sort of them growing up. Um, I think it's one of those ones where you're probably going to, sit there when they get older and actually ask yourself the question, do we get jealous of other people that have kids at that age because Mm. you're going to miss that. Mm, Yeah, true. Never really thought about that. Like life has its different phases and it's sort of like how does that, yeah, like, you know, best to enjoy the phase that you're in. Although I have to say I'm definitely guilty of like, oh, God, wouldn't it be fantastic to just, like, have a day where I could just not worry about anyone or anything but myself? <laughs> don't don't get me wrong. There's, you do you do obviously sort of wish that you could be doing a bit more sort of uh, child-free and stuff like that, but you sort of, um, once we get through and the boys get to a certain age and are, are sort of more self-independent, we'll be able to do things that we um, probably haven't been able to do. So it's sort of... Yeah, you take the good with the bad. Yeah, totally. I think each stage of your life has, yeah, the pros and cons certainly that you have to navigate. We are briefly interrupting today's episode to give a shout-out to a non-profit that the Parenthood Pod is proudly supporting, the Nappy Collective. Parents do their best with what they have, but what if even at your best you can't put clean nappies on your child? Meanwhile, in other families, children grow so fast, leaving parents wondering what to do with their leftover nappies. The Nappy Collective connects those unused nappies with families who need them the most. The Nappy Collective invites you to donate your leftover nappies to one of the 500 collection points across Australia, letting families in crisis know that somebody cares. Go to thenappycollective.com and see the show notes for further details. 
The next question we had was, um, I'm a dad with a one-year-old and since having a baby, my wife has not been interested in any form of affection. Jules, from your personal experience or based on hearing similar stories from friends, what would you recommend I do to reignite the flame? And I think this is a big one. I mean, we have so many topics within the podcast about sexless marriages and, you know, am I with the right partner because the sparks run out. Um, for those listening, it is completely normal in the first year in particular to not be feeling yourself or to be losing that attraction because you've got so much going on that is, you know, the physical touch piece is huge from the baby and there's so many competing priorities that it you can't see the wood for the trees sometimes with your when it comes to your partner. And so I guess I'm going to throw it to you. What comes to mind? Because we've certainly ebbed and flowed with our affection as well. What advice could you provide? It's Patience is probably a big one um, just because you, you're never sure what your partner is going through, especially after giving birth and sort of with a child that age. Um, it's The other one is probably finding time for each other um, and really sort of being vigilant about putting time in the diary and even looking to do, like if you I know it's hard to, some people struggle to get, help in terms of um, like having someone to be able to come and look after the child and or otherwise people can sort of not want others to look after their children. For you as a couple, it's important that you actually do um, allow you to get, allow yourselves to get time just for the two of you, whether that be just going for a half an hour coffee, a dinner, whatever it is, because that way you start to be able to get back to being on the same page and be able to actually communicate to each other and talk to each other where you can actually um, talk about these sorts of things because if you're not talking about it and communicating about it, your partner probably doesn't know how you feel Mm. Um, because, you know, I know it's hard. You can sit there sometimes feeling that it's, well, what about me? If you haven't actually communicated it to your partner, then how how is she supposed to know? Mm, Yeah, totally. I agree with that. And I think if we didn't have those nuggets of time and look for those who perhaps aren't as comfortable with babysitters, we certainly are. um, And I think we've had a pretty fortunate run with them. But um, And for those who don't have family help or whatever that looks like, you know, it's when your baby naps, for example, if you can, really using that as your quality time. Um, I remember I was on this podcast with Steph Claire Smith, Kick Bump, and she's like, yeah, nap time. That's the time where you, like, have sex. And I'm like, that's kind of a thing for couples, right? So, like, it's just finding these nuggets of time whenever you can to to really prioritise the relationship because it is work, isn't it? It's not as simple as, like, it used to be. And even even little things, like, if you can't, get out or do things the two of you then when you put the young one down to bed do um do stuff at home have a like do a nice dinner for the two of you ordering a nice meal do bits and pieces like that because that can actually help to really sort of um start to show a spark and um you'd be amazed that how far a bunch of flowers goes as well or, yes, that's true. or uh, just any sort of um Think of any little gift that something that your partner might be a bar of chocolate mm. or anything that you um, just that sponti- um, spontaneity that yeah. can 
it can really help kickstart things again because remember, your, yeah. um, your partner starts to feel that connection. Yeah, I remember when we were dating, like we love, I love the Bueno Bar and you would like, it's, I don't know, two bucks from Coles, right, or whatever, um, and you would just, you know, rock up at, I'd rock up at your house and you had the Bueno Bar. And for me that was like so beautiful because it's just the, as you said, it's the gesture that I was thinking about you and I took the effort to do this and it's one step forward in our relationship. So I agree, if you can't do the the dinner, which, you know, is absolute luxury for a lot of people, um, then, yeah, finding these nuggets of time I think is super important. Okay, so this one came through and, it again, it's from a dad and they said, I think my wife is experiencing prenatal depression. So she's obviously pregnant at the time and experiencing a level of depression. We understand that Leonie had this. How did you support her and what advice would you have on this front? Um, this is probably the way that I supported her was making her realize that she needed to speak to someone. Um, the, what's the group? Uh, the Gidget Foundation. Foundation. So we sort of, other people were able to pick up on the fact as well and having someone there to support me meant that I was able to support you. Mm. So who was there to support you? You mean the oh your brother? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then Lee was obviously able to talk to the Gidget Foundation, which is a great thing. Mm. Um, you would just speak to them probably weekly. And yeah, then. weekly. And it was literally just over a phone conference call. Mm. Um, made a massive difference because it meant that rather than her feeling all alone and by herself and isolated and it's difficult when it's coming from your partner because it just doesn't like if I try and help her support her or get her to do different things it's very hard when it's coming from someone so close to you so the um the and it was pretty sometimes the conversations with the Gidget Foundation and the person that was helping her there wasn't always easy. There were there were some very confronting conversations in terms of um, just being able to sort of help you get out of your own head realistically in terms of um, the self-doubt and how you felt. And probably one of the biggest things that came out of it was you're a very social individual and for a period of time through the pregnancy rather than being out and being social because you because you felt like, well, there's no point doing social things because I can't go and drink or I can't do what I used to do, you you sort of uh, became a shell of yourself and started staying at home and not wanting to do things. So it was more support and encouragement to get you in environments where you were around people and mm-hmm. around your friends and you actually started to feel better about yourself. Um, so it's just look for all different avenues. If there's, if you're able to get the person to speak to someone like the Gidget Foundation, that'll definitely help try and if they're a social person, usually, even if they don't want to socialise, really push them to socialise. Mm. Um, and the other one is for yourself, speak to your close network because that'll um, obviously help you be able to support your partner better. Yeah, yeah, love that. Cool. Um, All right, two more. So you and Leonie both have big jobs. How do you organise your household so that you can both be out working while organising the kids 
while having time for yourself as a couple. So any sort of hot tips there? We certainly haven't nailed it, by the way, to those listening, but we can certainly tell you what we do. <laughs> um, ooh. Well, I'll be honest here and say that Leone runs the household. Um, <laughs> I'll be uh, brutally honest there. But the one of the big things that we do or one of the big things Leone does is um, make sure that we have a joint family calendar um, where basically everything goes into it because I used to have a habit of being like, well, if it's not in my calendar, I didn't know about it. Um, so now everything goes in the calendar. Um, that really helps. But then just in terms of being able to, we're obviously fortunate that with um, the job that we only works, she's able to do a lot more of the run around and pick up, drop off and all that sort of stuff for the boys, which obviously really helps. Um, but then it's just been trying to um, be as flexible as possible, um, which is difficult, but the flexibility and sort of um, being able to support each other. Like if um, if Glee's got something that's really important on at work, then um, there'll be stuff that means that I'll need to sort of drop things to be able to help her because um, she obviously wears the the brunt of it usually. And so where I can, I'll sort of try to support her as much as I can. But um, the general gist is that Lee does the lion's share of the uh, of the work. Oh, it's nice to feel recognised. Very good. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's, to that person, it's been super organised. And so, yeah, if it's not in that calendar, we've had, uh, I think, an instance more recently where Jules is like, yeah, we've got that thing on on that one date. And I was like, it's not in the calendar. Like, what do you mean? Like, and I'm like anal retentive when it comes to organisation and the calendar and things. And so that's why, I mean, as you guys know I have a few competing priorities with like full-time work podcast and coaching and other things that I'm doing and um yeah I'm, I'm pretty vigilant with my time and therefore I guess our family time as well um now the other thing probably too is we on our weekends we prioritize the sort of setting ourselves up for that following week so we'll do on a Sunday we'll do like we make activities such as going doing the supermarket shopping or whatnot we make them fun activities and do it as a family um so we can sort of plan for the week make sure everything's organized but you yeah. also feel um you make it so you're not leaving the burden of looking after the boys onto one person mm. um so we try and do that together as much as possible and then if um lee's sort of doing stuff around the house i'll sort of play with the boys or if i'm doing stuff around the house we will play with the boys just mm. to sort of really um make it so we can keep things moving as much as possible yeah totally we go to like the big markets like traditionally on a sunday we're like you know jules it's sunday afternoon is cooking up like four meals for the week like so we can get ourselves organized so yeah because i mean like all of you our kids have activities and things like that we all have commitments during the week so just trying to get super organized on the sunday to tee up your week correctly you know with the least stress as possible i think is yeah you're right it's really sort of set, sets us up well um when we're able to do that Lastly, okay, so you've survived all the the key questions. You have one more question. Okay, so what is something about Leone that none of us would know? What comes to mind? (laughs) Be kind. (laughs) Um, It's all, I would say that it's all a front in terms of, your 
at the end of the day, you're you come across very social and very sort of out there and um, sort of uh, very sort of wanting to be around people all the time and stuff like that when really your personality is that you actually prefer to be in your own sort of alone time and with um, with sort of just taking down time and not being too full on. Um, you actually probably get worn down if you do too much um, and you're, you're sort of, you probably come across as fully, um, how would you put it, fully all uh, one sort of very confident and um, I'd say it's probably the best one is you you come across very confident when you're, you've got a lot of self-doubt in terms of your own personality and stuff like that, like you have a lot of anxiety and different things like this and it's because you sort of put so much pressure on yourself. Mm, yeah, and I think that's the thing. And on the, even on the podcast, I'm quite open about the fact that, like, the imposter syndrome I feel and all these things. So I feel like, you know, a bit of fake it till you make it. Um, but then to be fair, I feel like that's most people to some extent, that fake it till you make it, just kind of put yourself out there, even when it's not perfect, just get it out there and, you know, and see what comes. And, yeah, I 100% agree. And I've actually said that on the pod. I'm like, I do seem... I might may come across quite confident, well versed. I've got this kind of thing, but yeah, that's definitely the facade, and underneath is like this soft shell of like anxiety and like nervousness. Like, did they like me? And was that okay? And like all the things that people probably wouldn't expect. <laughs> um, love it. So yeah, that's a wrap. I think. Thank you so much for coming on for our hundredth episode and answering answering a few of the audience questions. Um, for those listening, I certainly would not be able to do this podcast without the support of Jules. Um, you know, I started the podcast when our little one was I don't know a couple of weeks old. I started sort of thinking about the idea around the podcast then, and um, you know, there's been lots of times on Saturdays and things like that where I've had to duck away to do things for this and stuff like that so I guess yeah first and foremost want to say thank you to you as well for um supporting me in my dreams even though they sometimes don't make a whole lot of sense to you (laughs) this is certainly not your jam but uh (laughs) you're right there beside me either way so I really appreciate that um and yeah for those listening we'll catch you next time thanks Jules thank you Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a rating or review and share it with your friends. Want to contribute to the conversation? Hit us up on Instagram at parenthoodpod and join our Facebook group. Until next time. Thanks for listening. The Parenthood Podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we produce on, the land of the Wawandri people. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging.